But uh, when, I, when I do camps, I'll usually take one day and I'll talk about, uh, to the students about sexual purity and about making a decision to keep yourself, not for just your future mate, which is a huge benefit of that, but because we belong to the Lord. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And God speaks very clearly about uh, the physical relationship we have, and physical relationships we have in our lives all throughout the Word of God. So I would talk to the teenagers about this, and at the end of the night, we would uh, encourage the students to make a commitment to purity in one level or another. And but we just had a great service. There was about a, probably about twelve hundred students in the auditorium that night. Uh, a lot of students accepted Christ, and we saw hundreds of kids uh, that came forward and prayed for forgiveness and and prayed that God would. Uh, just bless this next season of their life for purity, and it was really, really sweet. And we were talking to students afterward and just kind of hanging out and doing some counseling. And there was a line of students talking to me afterwards, and I was uh, just kind of being in the moment with them. And this little girl came up to me, and she was about 13 years old. And she said, Brother Ed, you just, and, and for some reason, when I, I think in church culture or in youth camp culture or in ministry culture, when you don't know what to call somebody, you kind of call them brother like they're a monk or something. She's like, oh, Brother Ed. And I was like, hey, you know, I guess we're brothers now. But anyway, Brother Ed, um, she said, man, I, I just, I wanted, you, I wanted you to have this. I mean, God really did something in my heart. And I was like, oh, thank you, sweet girl. We're proud of you. You know, can we pray for you that God would give you encouragement and strength? And we had a bunch of people up there with us that were standing, adults that were helping us. She said, yeah, would you pray for me? When I go home, I've got to go tell my dad that I can't have sex with him anymore. And I heard this girl say this. And I have, and I have four girls. And that, that I, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand. Sometimes I don't understand. And I'm not better than anybody, I promise you. But I don't understand the levels of depravity that happen in our world today. That, that people have suffered through. And to be honest with you, some of you have suffered through. I've suffered through some of it. And when that happened, it was, it was almost, and I don't want to be narcissistic, this is not about me, but uh, when that happened, it was almost an out-of-body experience because at that moment, when that young girl said that to me, everything that happened to me when I was a kid just kind of came right back. I don't know what triggered it, I don't know why, I don't know how. I did, you know, I, 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 I'd gone through counseling, I still talk to a counselor, I think it's very healthy to talk to a counselor. I think everybody needs a counselor. Uh, not to, don't, you don't have to feel jacked up to get a counselor. It's good to get counseling in your life. But um, I remember when I went back to the room, and for some reason, we had, our kids were young at the time, and most of the times when I would speak out, I would go by myself. But for some reason, the Lord just worked it out so that Kim would be with me. And I went back to the room that night, and I just, I mean, I just curled up in the fetal position, and I just kind of had a little bit of a breakdown. And I remember telling my wife about it, and I talked to somebody that night and I talked to the guy that was directing the camp. He said, man, do you need to go home? I said, no, I'm okay. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, God's doing something in my life just like he's doing something in those students' lives. And God's really done a neat work in my life uh, from it, but it's a lifetime of healing. You know, it's not something that, that I was able to just like <laughs> instantly forget about, you know. And that is a wound or a scar uh, that I carry in my life. But to be honest with you, as much as that was a difficult thing uh, for me to live through, and even kind of, you know, sometimes remembering it now today is a little bit difficult even to talk about, I find that the wounds in my life that carry the most significant impact on me emotionally, physically, and even spiritually are self-inflicted wounds. 
You see, things that other people have done to me, things that other people have done to you that have hurt you, there, there, there's two levels of burden with that. There's the burden that you carry, perhaps as a victim, that's real, it's difficult, it's hard, it's, it's, it, you, you have to get help. If you need help, we'll help you find help. We have great counselors that we work with in Plano, just down the street from our church. Uh, we have some counselors in our church. Uh, we want to be a part of that healing in your life that, that God wants to, to, to walk you through. It's real. But, 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 but I'm not, and I'm not lessening the burden of what you have to carry with that because I really understand that firsthand. But then there's the burden that the person or people that have inflicted that kind of pain in other people's, have, in other people's lives, and that's the sin burden. And you understand that when, if you've ever in your life have made a mistake, and if you've made a mistake in your life, say amen. amen. All of us have made mistakes. All of us can look back and say, man, I wish I, if you could pick out five things in your life, if I were to ask you one-on-one, -on -one, tell me five things in your life that you would go back and change today if you could. You could rattle them off just like that, and it would be hard to get it down to just a list of five, wouldn't it? I mean, I could, man, I could, I'd be on page two or three. We need that by five. Well, I'm sorry, I can't, because there's just a lot of things. And to be honest with you, the things that I've done have caused more pain in my life than the pain that others have inflicted on me. And that might not make sense to you if you've gone through something traumatic, but I think all of us understand that to a degree. And I want you to, and I wanted to give that kind of as a, as a backdrop to the story I want to share with you out of John chapter 8. Because scars are very real. You know, whatever you carry in your life today, whatever brought you to this point in your life, whether you're a teenager in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, we even have some sweet folks in their 80s in our service today, and even in our 90s in our church service today. All of us carry some kind of hurt and pain in our lives. And I want you to kind of, I don't want you to tap into it. I'm not trying to get you to, to live through something and cause pain in your life, because again, I want to focus on healing this morning. But I want you to kind of get into the story a little bit and understand the plight of this woman who you're going to be introduced to today. And you may have heard the story before and the wounds that she carries in her life. In John chapter 8, verse number 1, it says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and in the morning he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees then brought in a woman who was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this to question, uh, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse Jesus. There's a key phrase in there. They were using. They were using this woman, what they were doing. And then it says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. While they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who began to go, uh, at this, those who heard began to go away one by one, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And then Jesus sat up and asked her, Woman, 
Doesn't anybody condemn you? In another version of the Word of God, it says, where are your accusers? Where are these guys that, that, that brought this sin before me today that you've committed? And then she just looked at him and said, no one, sir. That I don't condemn you either, Jesus said. Go and leave your life of sin. It's a beautiful story at the end because Jesus forgives this woman. And I think there's a big focus on the woman. I mean, even in my Bible, at the top of the heading, it says uh, the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And I think that um, the emphasis really goes you know, on, on what this woman did, not what was done to this woman. Uh, she was used. Um, if, if you, just to give you a little bit of historical context for what's happening here in John chapter 8, when Jesus went into the synagogue to teach, it wasn't like a Sunday thing like we do, where we come in, our kids go to class, and we come in and worship. Uh, it was very normal for them, even throughout the week at the end of the day or even on the Sabbath, to go into the temple, and one of the teachers, one of the scribes, one of the Pharisees or whoever these muckety-mucks were with their big titles would come in, and they would read from the Bible, and then they would openly discuss and kind of kind of like we're, we're, what we're doing, read a story from the Bible and explain it a little bit. And these guys that knew the Bible that were really, really, like if you read later in the Gospels about a man named the Apostle Paul, he was first known as Saul. When Saul <coughs> was introduced in the Bible, Saul was a guy who was trained by a man named Gamaliel, and Saul was a guy who was trained to be like the next kind of pope, if you will, of the Pharisees. He was going to be the, the big cheese, the big boss of all the Pharisees. And in order to do that, you kind of had to memorize like the entire Old Testament. Now, when I say memorize the Old Testament, I'm not talking about reading the Old Testament, the 39 books from Matthew to Malachi, or as my Italian friend would say, from Matthew to Malachi. It wasn't about reading. the. It would be memorizing the Old Testament. Like the entire book of Psalms of 150 chapters, of which Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Memorizing and then being able to recite. You say, how in the world did they do that? Well, it was before Netflix. So they had a little bit more time than we have today, right? So they, and, I mean, these guys were very well versed in the Word of God. So they would get up and they would teach out of Isaiah, or they would teach out of Psalms, they would teach out of Proverbs. And Jesus went in, and they called him teacher because he knew the Bible. Of course, he knew it because he wrote it. But uh, he, the, he would start, you know, speaking the truth, reading from Scripture. A lot of the quotes that you read through the Gospels that are, that are quotes from Isaiah or from Jeremiah or even back earlier in the Word of God that Jesus would speak, uh, he, would, he would use those verses, but they were also verses of prophecy about himself, like another verse we're going to read in a moment out of Luke chapter 4. So... Jesus gets up to teach, and while he's teaching, <coughs> he's going through the thing that they're normally used to doing. You kind of know what's going to happen in church when you come to church. Even if it's your first time here, you weren't like super shocked that we sang songs, right? We sing a couple songs. Not a surprise. You weren't surprised that I stood up here and started to read from the Bible and teach from it. And you're probably not going to be surprised at the end of the service when we talk about the offering. That's what churches do. You're, you, you understand that. But you have to understand something. In the middle of this like teaching of the Bible, these guys bring in a woman caught, when we say caught, in the act of adultery. She was in the middle of the deed. Now, I don't want to be disrespectful or say anything crass this morning in church, 
But there was visible evidence that this was just happening in her life. I've heard one Bible scholar say that she probably was taken and put right in front of those guys in that church service naked. And another one I heard talk about she may have had bed sheets around her. But it was visibly obvious what she was just doing. Right? Shock factor, right? I mean, you can, can you imagine if something like that happened in church today? Uh, I said in church one time, uh, somebody came up to me and said, hey, what's in the, and they'll call or they'll email, hey, what's the standard of dress for your church? And I say, we have one rule about dress in our church. Gary, what's our one rule about church dress? No naked. No naked. We don't want any naked in church. Cover up your stuff. And all God's people said amen, right? We agree with that. But you can imagine the <gasps> factor. A woman caught in the act of adultery was brought in and put, boom, right there for everybody to see. And then her accusers, the Pharisees, the big setup, said to Jesus, they were using her. I read that to you earlier and we emphasized that. They were using her for the shock factor. They were using her for this reason, to trap Jesus. They may have even, it's, it, 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 it's believed that they may have even used one of the Pharisees or one of their homies or one of their guys to be part of that. It was probably a prostitute exchanging a service for money. They paid her to do this. They broke in. They knew it was happening. Caught her. Brought her before Jesus and said this. The Bible says that we're supposed to take this woman out and stone her, Jesus. She's right there in all of her shame. And Jesus, in front of all these guys, he just kind of gets down, he's watching, he's listening to them, and he just starts writing some stuff down. Maybe he's writing scripture down. Maybe he's telling Peter, these guys are crazy, can you go get me a glass of water or something? I don't know, the Bible doesn't say what he was writing down. But he gets up and he makes this statement that you've heard before. You've heard this before. He that is without sin can throw the first stone. You've heard that before, even used in, in, in regular vernacular. Maybe you didn't even know that it was tied into this story. But you've heard that said before probably at some level or another. If you're watching Jeopardy, it was certainly on there with this guy that's winning a gazillion dollars. But he that's without sin, he that's blameless, if you've never done nothing wrong, then you go ahead and throw the first stone. And I think it's interesting that it's pointed out in the scriptures here that it says that the oldest people started to leave first, and then it got down to the youngest until the last one standing there was Jesus. Now, Jesus was young. He was only about 30, maybe here at this time in Scripture, 32, maybe 33 years old. A very Somebody go with me on an amen with this. That's very, very young, right? It's very, very young. He's 33, 32, 33 years old. And the old guys leave first. And I think the old guys leave first because of the wisdom that they had to understand that he that was without sin can cast the first stone. If you carry any amount of years with you, let's just say if you're 40, let's say even if you're 30 years plus, okay? We'll lump you in with the old people, all you 30-year-old old people this morning, okay? But if you're about 30 years old and you kind of hit adultdom and you really like, you're like full-fledged into being an adult, right? You've got the payments, you've got the history, you've got the old girlfriend high school stories, you got all that stuff in your life, right? You can look back on your life like I was talking about earlier and remember maybe five things you would change or 10 or 20 or 30 or whatever it would be, right? And so these older guys, right, they're living in the legacy time of their life. If you're without sin, you could cast the first stone. Well, the old guys are like, oh, that's me. 
I'm out of here, buddy. I've got some junk in my life. And maybe they were first to leave because people knew about their sin, or maybe they were just really wise, and they were saying, well, that's me. I mean, that's, that's a pretty scriptural principle. I'm not without sin. If you've ever had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, one of the things you talk to them about is a condition that we were all born in, that's called sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've heard that verse before, probably. And if you understand that verse, the, the, what that verse is saying is everybody that's ever lived on this earth, except for Jesus Christ and Adam and Eve for a very short period of time, has lived on this earth without sin. But all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And I think when, when we get a little older and we have some maturity in our lives, it's easier for us to admit that we've been wrong at, at different, maybe not today, I was wrong today, but it's easier for me to say, oh, when I was 30, I was making all kinds of mistakes. Or when I was 40, I was making all kinds of mistakes, right? So these old guys left, it was just Jesus and this woman. And he says to this woman, who's there? She's carrying wounds from self-inflicted bad decision-making, but she's also carrying that obvious wound where she was a victim at the hands of those people laying that accusation. Because why? Because they were using her. I've heard this talked about where the focus is, 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 is on this, the, the adultery stuff, you know? And, you know, we're living in a time right now where it's getting more difficult um, even in church, to talk about sexual sin. Because it's so accepted. You know, all, all these all different lifestyles and choices that people make, uh, there's very little shock value with, with the way that people live out their lives when it comes to this area of, uh, of sexuality. Uh, whether it's same-sex stuff, or whether it's, you know, living with somebody, or, you know, we had, I had one of, I remember this confrontation like it was yesterday, I talked to Gary about it, I'm sure, in his youth pastoring, mentoring that he gets for free every day. He actually gets paid for my youth pastoring mentoring. It's unbelievable. Well, he should be paying me, but um, I had a parent come up to me one time during prom season, and we did this prom alternative, and um, this parent came up to me and said, why are you getting our kids not to go to their school's prom? I said, we're not telling them not to go to this prom. We're just telling them to come to this one. It's funner. It's better. And we're going to make sure your kids aren't having sex tonight. That's not a bad thing. It seems like a win, 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 win. And she said, but I want my son to experience his... She said this to me. Now, why she would say this to a youth pastor, I have no idea at all. But she said, but I want my son to have his first sexual experience while he's in high school so he doesn't make a mistake and marry the wrong person when he's older, like I did. So it's like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let, let me go back and we'll walk through this with you, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I'm not casting any stones this morning because I'm not without sin. So I don't stand on a, on, a pl on a platform of judgment in front of you this morning, okay? So I'm talking to this lady and her son doesn't go to the prom thing we did. And our prom was balling. We did, we did the spirit, we went, we did a riverboat cruise, professional photographer, dancing. We went down the beach, we, we stayed overnight. The guys were in the guys' rooms. What a concept. The girls were in the girls' rooms. And then we went to the boardwalk and the rides the next day. It was unbelievable. It was half the price of the school prom. It was balling. So anyway, so, so, this, so her son, right, winds up going to their prom, doesn't use the condoms that mom was responsible enough to give them. This is a great segue for the mama talk afterwards we're going to have in a minute. And gets his girlfriend pregnant, 17 years old. Comes up to me about a month later and said, you got to help us. I said, I tried to help you. 
And we're still going to help you because we love them. But it's like the world is surprised at all this, you know. And, and to be honest with you, you and I that, that, that are at, at any kind of adult age, we're not surprised by the things that we hear anymore, are we? But I did this before in church. So I'm going to put you guys on, on, on the spot this morning. Students, can you help me out with something? I'm not, gonna, I'm not accusing, not guessing, I'm not going to say anything that's going to embarrass you. I just want you to answer this question with a yes or a no. Can you do that for me? Here's the question for you. Would your parents be surprised by some of the things that you hear and see in school every day? I think the yeses outweigh the noes a little bit. They're telling you that you'd be surprised and we see what we see on TV every day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just, we live in a depraved world. It's just what it is. And the Bible speaks about that. But here's this woman. She's carrying self-inflicted wounds and she's carrying others' inflicted wounds. So let's look at what Jesus said as why he came to this earth and understand what complete wound healing looks like in our lives and the complete wound healing that Christ wants to give us in our lives. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's speaking of himself, but this is that verse that he's referring to back in Isaiah. So it's kind of a fulfillment of prophecy because he said that verse in Isaiah is about me. He makes it personal. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, me being Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You have a father that wants to take care of you. You have a provider named Jehovah Jireh. That's good news for poor people. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, freedom for the prisoners. There was, you know, we, we have slave stuff in our awful history of our country as, as the big black eye of our uh, of 400 years ago in our country, which is very, very real. And we suffer even from some of the ramifications of that today. But there was a huge, even larger, believe it or not, slave culture in the Roman government. So when Jesus was saying to people who either were slaves, had slaves, or understood the slave culture, he said, God sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Wow. He's going to set slaves free. That, that, that's an attention-getting thing. He says, recovery of sight to the blind. That means he came to heal people. And then he said this, to set the oppressed free. So how can we have complete wound healing in our lives? What does complete wound healing look like? Here's the first step, and I'm going to go through these really quick with you this morning. The first step is when you have a wound, you need to cleanse the wound. Right? Do we have any nurses in the house this morning? Or doctors or anybody in the medical field? Uh, how about good mamas that have used Bactine before, right? Is it, you remember Bactine? Is Bactine still used today? Bactine was a way you could punish your kids without them knowing it. Because they would have a wound and you get this little green bottle of squeezy stuff and you'd spray it on there, on their cut. And it was like alcohol and glass mixed together. And it would hit your cut and it would clean your cut out because that's what you're supposed to do. When you, well, I got a cut. Where's the Bactine, right? But now we have all the stuff that anesthetizes it, and you don't have to feel any pain anymore, which is wonderful. But back team was a reminder, I don't want to do that anymore because this hurts even worse than when I fell, right? Back team was hardcore. Well, cleansing the wound is a pretty significant thing. Uh, if you've ever had a burn wound before, you know how painful it is to cleanse a wound. Uh, I've had motorcycles most of my adult life, and uh, I remember one time I had a motorcycle without a gas gauge. And, and a vehicle without a gas gauge just means you run out of gas a lot because you just lose track. And I, and I ran out of gas at the worst places, worst times, 
Worst ways to do it, I was wearing shorts. You never wear shorts on a motorcycle. I wasn't wearing socks. You never wear no socks on a motorcycle. You know, all that, all that motorcycle talk, blah, 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 blah. Jack, it's just noise, right? So I'm walking, I'm pushing my bike up a hill. And as I'm pushing my bike out of gas up a hill, thinking about all the things my dad told me, you should never have a bike, and this one, this one, this one. As I'm pushing my bike on the hill, my leg leaned on the pike. And I didn't realize it for about five seconds, and I got a big, humongous burn mark on my leg, this big. And it burned my skin so bad that all the dirt from my pipe kind of went, like, in my skin. And when I got home that night, I could either go to the doctors, because it was almost a third-degree burn, but I had to scrub those stones and that dirt off of that wound before it could start to heal. Cleaning a wound hurts. So where do we clean a spiritual, accidental, or self-inflicted, or others-inflicted wound? Well, you know where it starts? It starts with prayer. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive you of your sins, and this is beautiful, and purify us from all what unrighteousness or uncleanness. It starts when we pray. We confess that to the Lord. Father... And listen, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to say you're sorry for something. It's hard to admit when we're wrong. It, it's hard to confront yourself with your own shortcomings. But I want to give you some assurance this morning. When you pray to God and ask him for forgiveness, he's not standing before you as an accuser. That's what Satan's doing. Satan's whispering to God and speaking to God all the time about you yucky stuff and reminding God all the bad stuff that you do and here's what God who knows what you've done already when you say to God dear Lord forgive me for this impure thought or forgive me for saying this or forgive me for doing this or forgive me for acting this way God doesn't go oh my me he doesn't he's not surprised by that some of you got that some of you got when I said that he doesn't go I can't believe you did that you know what God says I've been waiting to hear this from you because I want to forgive you I want to purify you. Jesus came to set captives free. He came to free us from that stuff. Having a relationship with Christ is not about feeling, feeling guilty all the time. It's about feeling freedom that Christ wants you to have. And cleansing that wound, that, that self-inflicted wound. Listen, it starts the self-inflicted wound by you asking for forgiveness. Now listen now. The others inflicted wounds on your lives... It starts with prayer, too, by telling God, you forgive that person for what they did to you. That's hard. Forgiveness feels like an unfair expectation that God has in our lives to grant to others. But here's why he does that. God wants you, listen now, to forgive others for your sake, not theirs. Because when we carry that burden of somebody else hurting us, we're reminded of it all the time. When you see them on Facebook or see them at school or see them in your circle of influence or their name comes up or even a memory comes up, you can get mad at that person all over again. And it just festers. And it really helped me understand with, with, with the person that, that, that hurt me when I was a child. 
It helped me understand when Jesus told Peter, no, you don't forgive people seven times. You forgive them 70 times seven. Because you know what I constantly have to do in my life when I'm reminded uh, of some things that took place in my life? i got to forgive her again. And i got to forgive her again. And I've got to forgive her again. She's not even alive anymore. It's a family member, not my mom, but somebody that's related to us that, 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 that uh, you know, hurt me when I was a kid. And <clears throat> I've had to go back and forgive and forgive and forget. And you know what? I had to forgive a couple weeks ago because I was reminded, and I got mad about it. You know what? That forgiveness doesn't, listen, she that, or whoever that person is in your life that's hurt you, they've got to deal with God for that. God keeps, and, and listen, if, God, if they've asked God for forgiveness, God's going to forgive them. Jesus died for that sin. But God wants you to forgive them because it sets you free. It sets you free. He wants you to experience that freedom. And it starts with prayer. Seeking forgiveness and then granting forgiveness. And boy, doesn't the forgiveness prayer, when we're asking for it, come off our lips a lot easier than the one when we say, God, help me to forgive. Oh, that stupid jerk person. It's not fair. It's not right. It isn't. But it wasn't fair that Jesus had to bear everything I ever did wrong in my life on the cross. We have to cleanse the wound. Here's the second thing we need to do. Protect the wound. Because an unprotected wound, this is great. And this is really doctory, so I feel pretty smart this morning. But an unprotected wound is very vulnerable to infection. An unprotected wound. Psalm 147, in verse number 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted, and then it says this, and he binds up, you ready? Or protects, covers, cleanses their wounds. God wants to do that in your life this morning. That happens, Romans chapter 12 and verse number two, by the, by the renewing of your mind. Uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. He wants us to renew our mind. Uh, he wants us to seek the healer. Um, there's different, <clears throat> I, I, I listen, my wife, when we all diff, listen to different radio. Let me have a quick survey. How many of you listen to Christian radio in your car? Raise your hand up in the air. Good work by you. How many of you listen to classic rock when you're in the car? My hand's raised, but I'm, okay, my hand's raised up higher. I do. Okay, how many of you listen to comedians when you drive? Anybody listen to comedians on Sirius Radio? My wife's got both hands up in here. She listens to comedians. We were listening to a comedian the other day in her car, and um, it's clean comedy, I think. Unless when I'm not there, it's bad, but when I'm there, it's good. Um, and this person said, was talking about, where was the world before essential oils? Like, how, how did people live without peppermint oil and, and, and all? And it was, it was really, really funny. If you got a cut... Essential oils. If you have essential oils, right? If you're not sleeping, essential oils. If you have stomach problems, essential oils. If you have, you know, if if you're balding, put it in your hair. You know, essential oils make your hair come back. Gary used to be bald. Now look at him. I mean, <laughs> essential oils is just amazing, right? <clears throat> but protecting the wound is a pretty significant thing because if you don't protect the wound properly, you could you could risk infection. And infection can cause even worse injury than the actual original injury itself and because we're vulnerable listen um that thing that happened to me the thing that happened to me 
opened a world up, a very dark world to me that I was exposed to at a very, very young age that I didn't fully process or understand. But I was very vulnerable to that kind of a sin because here's the truth. Um, abused people become abusers. Not all of them, not all of them. But most people that abuse have a history of abuse in their past. And we become very vulnerable to sins that we're exposed to. That's why it's so careful, given you guys that listen to Christian radio, a big, big shout out. It's very, very, it's very, very important for us to put in more better than the yucky stuff that we're putting in. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're putting in yucky stuff in our mind all the time, if it's all TV and bad shows and bad radio and negative, 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 that's exactly what's going to... Uh, there's a computer uh, principle called GIGO, garbage in, gar garbage out. It's the same thing with our lives. If you're feeding yourself with garbage, it's going to be spoken or lived out in your life. It's true about health. If you eat garbage all the time, you're going to be unhealthy. We understand that. But we have to protect the wound because we're vulnerable to infection. And the third thing is we have to continue to monitor that wound. Listen to what 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse number 8 says. Uh, Be alert and have a sober mind. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Um, that thing that happened in your life, if you've been hurt because of somebody else's bad decisions. Satan knows that you're wounded. Um, if you watch Facebook, uh, we have some friends of Nick and Katie that are here with us this morning, the Wallace family. Stan, the man, and his sweet wife, uh, who are, uh, who their daughter and son-in-law are church planners up in New England, but they're Texans. And uh, where the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, right? So they're, and they say, and she said this to me today, I get back to Texas every single month just so I can get back to Texas every single month. She loves Texas. If you love Texas, say amen. amen. I know. Go stars, blah, blah, blah. I'm with you, okay. So, so listen to me. If, if you're carrying a wound in your life, I put something on Facebook this week about this lion who was a wounded lion that was surrounded by hyenas. Some of you saw it. I know Stan did because he, he looks at my uh, stuff on Facebook. And this, this wounded lion, right, was about to be killed by all these hyenas until the lion's brother stepped in. <laughs> Scared all those other hyenas away. If you watch a predator, what a predator will do when, they're, when they see, see who they're trying, they, they, they see the person, or not the person, they see the animal that they're going to attack to eat. They're not looking for the biggest, strongest, fattest. Most. They're looking for the most unhealthy that will give them the least resistance. And if you've been hurt or you're carrying hurt or you have a wound in your life and you're kind of limping a little bit spiritually because you've been hurt, can I, can I tell you what you are? You are prey to the one who's walking around this earth seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for somebody that's hurt. And to be honest with you, there's not a person in this room that's not carrying hurt today. All of us are carrying hurt. It, it's the degree of hurt and what has happened. And frankly, 
the, you may need to seek forgiveness for self-inflicted wounds. That's the big cause of the biggest hurt in your life. You may need to forgive somebody else. And let me promise you something. It is a process. It's not, I forgive you, man, I feel great right now. I forgive you today. I forgive you tonight. God, help me to forgive that person tomorrow. God, help me to grant that forgiveness. And you know what? When you focus on your forgiveness, what God's forgiven you for, it becomes much easier for you to forgive others. But it's a process in your life. But if you're, if, you're if you're vulnerable and hurt, Satan's got his eye on you because he knows you're this close away from taking a step maybe in that same direction where somebody hurt you or going back to a familiar place, right? Maybe it's some kind of uh, addiction that you deal with or, or, or some kind of pervasive sin that just, you just can't get away from it. He wants to heal you from it. But, but here, here's, here's the principle I want to share with you this morning. It's why God gave us church. Because we're all wounded. Church isn't a place for a healthy, walking on sunshine, listening to Christian radio, memorizing Stephen Furtick, watching all this great stuff on the internet where I go to church on Sunday and YouTube church every day of the week. Because, man, just living a Christian life is awesome and perfect and wonderful. That's not reality. This church is filled with wounded people. Starting here, permeating throughout this entire building. And could I tell you what I need in my life? I need people like Dave Roberts praying for me. I need people like David Foster when I came in tired today. And I can't complain about being tired because my jet lag is for a very, very selfish reason, being on vacation. But I was tired this morning, Dave. And you sent me a text this morning when I was tired and kind of vulnerable and just talking to the Lord. And it was just like God told you to do that, and you obeyed. So thank you for obeying the Lord, but thank you for encouraging me. And I'm, I'm reminded all of the time, all of a good friend of mine, Brian, came into church and said, Pastor, I got you today. I got you today. I need that. I'm not emphasizing me because here's the truth, church. We all need that. Jack's dad just passed away a couple weeks ago. It was an encouragement to him that people were praying for him. And I could go row after row after row after one year ago, my dear friend Kenan. This church was praying for him to be healed because we didn't know if he was going to live. We didn't know if he was going to live. We were hiking in Maui last week drinking iced tea. It's unbelievable. We all need that. So if you have a self-inflicted wound, would you, would you just take some time and confess it to the Lord this morning? If somebody's hurt you, and it's bigger than you, it's bigger than you. What happened to me was bigger than me. I couldn't do it by myself. But I was reminded then, and I'm reminded every day now, God didn't intend for me to do it alone. People have come alongside of me and have helped me, encouraged me, counseling. My wife just loves me in, in a very unselfish way and takes the best of care of me emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I'm very, very, very blessed. But not everybody has that support system. It's here if you want it. We have great counsel with Mary Ann and Kelsey, um, Gary. We have just a great team. My, my daughter, Christina, has been through some stuff in her life. Her husband, Johnny who's just praying about God to open a door for him to do something with recovery ministry. The support's here. We want to walk through it with you. We're not your accusers. 
we're not your accusers because we're not without sin, any of us. But would you let this be a time of healing in your life this morning? Can I invite you to pray with me today? Father, thank you for Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you that you fulfilled that promise. I say prophecy, it sounds real bible but you made a promise hundreds of years earlier in this book of Isaiah, and you fulfilled that promise. You came and healed blind people. You came and set, gave freedom to those that were in spiritual slavery. You set the oppressed free. You bounded up wounds. You healed broken hearts. And there's not a man or woman in this room, Father, that doesn't understand what it means to feel brokenhearted. Some of our brokenheartedness comes from from things that we've done wrong. Self-inflicted injuries. I carry more self-inflicted injuries in my life than any kind of hurt that other people have put on me. And I thank you for grace and forgiveness. Maybe this morning you're carrying uh, just a heavy burden of stuff that you need to ask God forgiveness for. And not as an accuser, but as somebody who cares about you and a church that will love you and will come alongside of you if you allow us to. Maybe you say, hey, Ed, this morning, I, I need that forgiveness from God. I need that this morning. I just, I need that. And I'd like you to pray for me. Nobody's looking around, but you'd say, Ed, I'm carrying some pretty deep self-inflicted injuries, and I'd like you to pray for me. If that's true about you, put your hand up in the air with me this morning. All over the room, God bless you. Maybe you're carrying something that's unfair that somebody did to you. And forgiveness, even me talking about forgiveness might not even make sense to you or seem right. But that wound is real and you'd like to be prayed for this morning. Say, Ed, pray for me. Would you lift your hand up in the air with me? It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. The bad thing is a lot of you understand firsthand in your own lives my story. The good thing is that you're not alone. We want to help you. But it does start by you talking to the Lord. And maybe a simple prayer of a desperation. God, I need help. You don't need to be real spiritually and Christian in your bible to talk to God. Just talk to Him. God, this hurt and pain is too much. I need you. Get, send me to the right people. Please help me to forgive. Doesn't even make sense how I could do that, but Father, put me on a path where I can learn to forgive those that have hurt me and make this scar in my life, this wound that I carry, a beautiful scar where that wound tells a story of grace, of forgiveness, of healing, of restoration, of a work that was bigger than you that God wants to do in your life today. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never even asked God to forgive you of your sins, invited Him to be your Savior. You can do that right here this morning. He loves you. That verse in Luke chapter 4, that's for you. He came for you. He loves you. God demonstrated His love for us, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
the Word of God teaches us that whoever calls on His name will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not me speaking. That's the Word of God. So if you need to be saved this morning, pray this prayer with me. Just say, Father in heaven. Say it to Him right where you're sitting. You don't have to say it out loud. Say it like people did on Easter Sunday when we had a dozen or so people accept Christ as Savior. Just say, Dear Lord. Say that to Him right now. Say, Dear Lord. Can you please, will you please, forgive me of all of my sin? can't remember it all, but please forgive me of all of it. Will you come into my heart and save me? Thank you for dying so that I can be forgiven. <clears throat> and I'm thankful that you're alive and I'll be with you forever. Help me to live for you. Thank you for loving me. And then say, in Jesus' name I pray. And keep your heads bowed and just say amen with your eyes closed and nobody looking around like many others who raised their hand and said they have self-inflicted wounds like even more that said that they have wounds that have been inflicted on them from others if you prayed with me this morning with nobody looking around I'd like to just pray for you and these others just lift your hand up and say Pastor Ed I prayed with you this morning invited Christ into my heart anybody like that today God bless you anybody else this morning I prayed with you I invited Jesus into my life this morning Father we ask you for healing in people's lives that have that are carrying sin burdens that are carrying hurt burdens of other people that have hurt them and for these new friends that, that asked you to be their savior thank you Lord that the hurt and the pain that we have experienced does not have to define our lives or destroy our lives and we can use it, Lord, for your glory. We can use it, Lord, as a glory story to help others that have gone through the same stuff. Lord, protect our kids. God, I pray. I know that moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas every day pray for our children and the evil that's in the world today. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that, that you'll uh, just continue this work in people's lives this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody say it with me. Amen.